and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliceness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website is scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. And that's where you go to support this mission of truth. And uh, this, uh, this work doesn't happen uh, without your support, without your prayers, and, uh, and all of that. So thank you to the Patreon subscribers who subscribe monthly to help pay the bills here. Uh, thank you for those of you who donate uh, through PayPal and through the mail. This is 100% listener supported, uh, so I appreciate all of you. Today we're doing something a little different. Um, we're actually going to, instead of doing our uh, wisdom and encouragement this week, we're just going to do uh, a study here. And I'm going to be covering an article um, called The Sin of Approving Sin. The Sin of Approving Sin, and it deals with Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. Now, 18 through 32 uh, deals with uh, the wrath of God being revealed, dealing with the Gentile world apostasy. Um, and what's amazing, and we're going to read it here in just a second. Romans 1, 18 through 32, if you want to find it in your Bibles. What's amazing is what Paul's dealing with amongst the Romans of his day is exactly what we're dealing with, only maybe even magnified in our culture today. This the very, very thing, and we're going to discover that as we read through this and as we read this article, um, The Sin of Approving Sin. Now, this article can be found... At and I'll post. All, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna write up a little blog post about this, so you can find the article and everything at scriptureandprophecy.com. So be on the lookout for that today if you want to find the article I'm talking about. It's from a place called bobrussell.org. Now, just so everybody knows, I don't know anything about Bob Russell or Bob Russell Ministries, but what I do know is the article I read from there uh, that was shared on Facebook by a pastor I know uh, is spot on. And so that's what our focus is going to be on today. The sin of approving sin. Now, I just read to start to show part of this, which we'll read again. But the very last verse says, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. And he, he just listed the such things, right? Being a hater of God, sexual immorality, you know, all those things. 
those who are worthy of death, but not only those who do the same, meaning not only those who do those things I just listed, but those who have pleasure in them that do them. So those who are standing off to the side, clapping, celebrating, applauding, approving of the filth, of the wickedness, of bringing perversion into schools, of doing unthinkable things to children. Those who claim to be Christian yet stand off to the side, clapping their hands, saying, well, Jesus loves. Very, very serious. And we're seeing a lot of that in our day. A lot of those who claim Jesus, who are guilty, and are going to have to stand before him and give an explanation Let's start by reading Romans 1, 18-32. So not very long, but we need to have the right context before we read the article. What do I like to say? Text without context is a pretext to make it mean whatever you want. So let's get the context. Romans 1, 18-32. For the wrath of God is revealed. That's the first verse. Let's begin. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they without excuse. So that's, let's stop there for a second at verse 20. First of all, he says, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteous people who, the NSAB says, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Are we not living in a world today where unrighteous and ungodly people are suppressing what is true? And then Paul goes on to say, regardless, they are without excuse because God is clearly perceived, God is clearly known to exist by creation, right? You go and you look at life, you look at the complexity of a leaf, of a tree, obviously God exists. There's obviously a creator, just like you would never drive by a big a beautiful building with amazing architecture and go, wow, it's hard to imagine that that just spontaneously over millions of years became. And how much more complex is a human being who thinks, loves, hates, communicates, body heals. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. Paul's saying they're without excuse. Okay. Verse 21 because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, 
and change the glory of an uncorruptible God into the image made like a corruptible man and a birds and four-footed beast and creeping things. So he's saying even though they knew God, they didn't worship him. They didn't give him honor. And their hearts as a result became dark. And the more they thought they were becoming wise, which is what our culture does too, right? They became fools. And so what's the penalty for that? Verse 24. Or here's the result of that behavior, starting with verse 24. Wherefore, in other words, so in light of all this, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the create creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, right? For the previous reasons we just mentioned, they didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. They wanted to do their own thing. God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Let me ask you something. Are we seeing sexual immorality that goes completely against nature happening right now? Verse 27, And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves recompense of their error, which was not meat. Verse 28, And they, and as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So they became fools, and even though it's obvious that God exists, they act like he doesn't exist. They worship the creation rather than the creator. And as a result, God gave them over to reprobate minds to do those things which are unnatural, women with women, men burning in themselves for other men, leaving the natural use of a woman. Verse 29. And being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliceness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things. I've, I've always thought that was interesting because I feel like in our generation, in our time, we invent all kinds of evil things, don't we? Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. All you got to do is go to a, your local grocery store. You'll see this in verse 31. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So now we get to the article. Now that we've got a little context, let's go to the article. The sin of approving sin. Here's what the article says, bobrussell.org. Romans 1, 18-32, which we just read, 
is a very sobering passage. The Bible titles it, God's Wrath Against Sinful Humanity. The verses list an abundance of sin that provoke God's anger. The list includes everything from sexual impurity and idolatry to arrogance and hatred. The stern passage concludes with this warning. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Notice, Christ's followers are challenged not only to resist evil desires, but we are admonished not to give approval to those who indulge in depravity. Little side note here. I don't like it when people say, well, I don't want to judge because they sin differently than me or yada, yada. First of all, don't judge. Don't judge. Like that mentality is not biblical. You are allowed to make judgments. Christ said you'll know them by their fruits. When the Bible's talking and warning about not judging or the measurement that you're being, that you judge, you'll be judged by its warning really against hypocrisy, not making a clear, intelligent judgment about a person or about a person's behavior. It's not saying don't call evil evil. Of course you are to call evil evil. It's saying don't be a hypocrite about it. Don't get on your brother about his issue with whatever when it's your issue too. And so the major you're judging him, you're going to be judged. But, they, but we absolutely call evil, evil. Getting back to the article, if a man is standing on the roof of a high building threatening suicide, it's sick for the crowd below to cheer him on or to encourage him to follow through with the jump. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 1 Corinthians 13, 6. It concerns me that some who claim to be Christians imagine themselves as being tolerant when they are openly endorsing false beliefs and evil behaviors. In a culture where flaunting sin is common and opposing sin is seen as hate, many believers yield to peer pressure and sheer depravity, call good what God calls evil, and undermine the biblical plea for repentance. It is one thing to be kind and respectful. It's another thing to improve and enable. And that, my friends, is an important uh, line in this article. People think that people nowadays, Christians nowadays, think that what love means is to approve and enable. Not at all. That's hate. You don't love that person. How can you love somebody when you know they're on the road to destruction and stand back and clap? Continuing on with the article, as our culture drifts farther and farther away from God, it is necessary for God's people to stand firm in the faith and be willing to be a peculiar people. That means not liking or approving depravity just to be seen as tolerant or to avoid conflict. Evangelist Shane Purity recently tweeted, quote, No matter how much a culture celebrates and affirms sin, it still doesn't stop being sin. End quote. 
Often when a spiritual leader speaks against sin or calls for repentance, shallow believers protest, this doesn't sound like Jesus. Jesus loved everyone and welcomed sinners. Indeed, Jesus did welcome sinners, but he also motivated them to turn from their transgressions and live a transformed life and be saved. When Jesus began his ministry, he first his first recorded words were, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Mark 1.15 He also warned, Unless you repent, you will all perish. Luke 13.3 and just as a side note, how about when he does a healing and he says, now go and sin no more. Jesus was all about repentance. The church today, not so much. Not so much. It's all about greasy grace. Continuing on with the article. The Jesus of the Bible was full of grace and truth. John 1.14 he was compassionate to the sinful woman at the well, yet confronted her with the truth of her sin, quoting John 4.18. The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. In Matthew 10.21, Jesus reminded the rich young ruler there was one thing he lacked, demanding him to go, sell all you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. In John 8 11, Jesus forgave a woman caught in adultery, but added, Go now and leave your life of sin. Actually, side note, I think that's the scripture I was thinking about when I made that comment, Go and sin no more. Acts 2 records, continuing with the article, that on the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter boldly confronted the audience, charging they had murdered the Messiah who God then raised from the dead. Simon Peter was not being judgmental or self-righteous. He was stating facts his audience desperately needed to hear. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter did not tell them just to celebrate the fact that God loves them as they are and receive his grace. No. Instead, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Side note. This is where the church is really messing up in America. And where Christians are really, really foolish. This is what they say, right? Oh, God's grace, He loves you just as you are. But that's never how the message is delivered in the Bible. How it's delivered in the Bible is how Peter delivered it. You want to know what you need to do? You need to repent and be baptized. Repentance is, is critical. And repentance is not just, I'm sorry. Repentance is, I'm sorry, and then I'm turning away. Now, you may have to repent for the same thing multiple times, meaning you confess to God and he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, but then you're making an effort to turn away. Asking God for his grace so that you can turn away from the sin, not so you continue in the sin. That's what we're being set free from. The sin itself. And then, of course, the penalty of, of the sin. We're not set free to sin, which is what Many Christians seem to think today, oh, I'm free because of the gospel. I can do whatever I want. Wrong again. Sorry, I know I'm going on a tangent. Let me actually get through this article. 
Uh, just a little bit longer to go. The first step of receiving God's forgiveness is to be remorseful for our sin and allow God's Holy Spirit to transform the way we think, feel, and behave. Peter Marshall, chaplain to the U.S. Senate, once prayed, Lord, we thank you that we can come to you just as we are, but remind us we dare not leave as we came. That's a, that's a statement of truth right there. Yeah, you come as you are. But if you've been, if you've believed on Christ and you've been transformed and forgiven, everybody wants the forgiveness that Christ offers without the transformation, right? Well, you, that's not how it works. If you truly trust in Christ, you're truly one of his children. You will be transformed. You will be different. You won't act like the world. You won't talk like the world. You are different. Rather than endorsing sin, the compassionate and faithful response of Christians is to encourage others towards repentance and to receive salvation from sin. Understandably, that is not easy to do in this era of cancel culture. When there's so much pressure to conform and unpleasant consequences from social media bullies. Similarly, some influencers, leaders of Jesus' day, felt the same pressure and stayed silent. John's Gospel records many, even among the leavers, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praises from God. The 18th century English poet Alexander Pope warned of sin's sinister progression over time. Here's the quote. Vice is a monster of so frightening mean, as to be hated needs but to be seen. Yet seen too oft familiar with her face, we first endure, then pity, then embrace. Instead of embracing what God calls evil or being intimidated into silence, let's emulate Jesus, who was full of grace and truth. And that is the end of the article, and I just thought it was beautiful. Beautifully written, full of amazing truth. Um... A truth that the church, God's people today, just need so desperately. So desperately. There needs to be a revival. People need to care about righteousness and holiness again. People need to stop giving them ex- themselves excuses to sin and stop standing on the sidelines applauding those who are in debauchery. That's not loving. Well, there you have it, my friends. How about how, how about that for starting the week on a Monday morning? <laughs> I just I, the truth is, is this is like the th- second or third time I've attempted to record this podcast. I actually tried to do it over the weekend, uh, and it fell apart a couple times. Technical issues, type of issues that I almost never have, uh, but apparently it was meant for this morning. And I pray that it's blessed you, strengthened you. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to me rant. Thank you for your support and your prayers. Please consider supporting the podcast, com. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again on Wednesday. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.